If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Atari Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. You can get picky, and you can look at Trevor Lawrence and say, okay, we saw you uh, uh, against uh, Ohio State in, that, in the Coswell playoff. There's, you know, some fumbles, some ball security things. He was really trying to extend the play. Uh, but, man, he was playing behind a really bad offensive line this year. And so it's like, ah, you, okay, you kind of understand that. You, you can explain it away. The cons for him, you've got to get real picky to find anything to really complain about. And I, I do think that's why there's just there's not that debate this year. You know, it's not like... 2017 when it's like, who is it, Watson, Mahomes, Trubisky, or 2018 it was Baker, Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Lamar Jackson. Uh, this year it's like, no, it's Trevor Lawrence and then everybody else. Matt Miller? Yeah. For real? Yeah. Let's go! Let's go, Coos! I was, I was thinking there was no way you got that. Brett Martineau who, baby? You better believe it. There's a new sheriff in town. What am I, three for four? Coos, I mean, that's, be honest, that's that was a one good of my one. better showings, yeah. I was convinced there was no way you were saying that one. I know. Especially because I don't want to subscribe to his uh, draft content. <laughs> <clears throat> Maybe I can, that's probably a tax write-off, isn't it? I should look into that. It might be did now. You, did you get that ESPN Plus username, by the way? You sent that to you? Oh, yeah, I need to get yeah. that from you, yeah. Well, now, keep in mind, don't make the mistake that I did, because Brent gave it to me to use once, and then obviously I made it like my personal login. But then I customized it, right? So, like, obviously I'm following the Red Wings and I'm following the Milwaukee Brewers and I'm following the Bucks. So, like, every single Bucks update that I would get, like, a score update or a Wings update, then Brent got. So, like, I had to be sure to turn those updates off. So just a little advice to you, but feel free to use the app however you want to use the app. A little breaking news here, Kuz, in the NBA. No one talks it better. Justin Kuz, our Driving Dish podcast. Atlanta Hawks uh, cutting ties with their, well, former head coach now, Lloyd Pierce. Yeah. I mean, is this kind of an example of, you know, a guy who's had some time, I feel like, on that team? You got guys like Clint Capella, obviously got Trey Young who's supposed to be coming along. Collins, like, their starting lineup's not that bad, but obviously a team who seems like they're kind of underachieving a little bit. Well, yeah. It's it's seriously what it is, is he became a victim of expectation. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of expectation. A lot of money was spent on the Hawks team this off season to make a run at, at making the playoffs and right now i think they're 14 and 20 if i'm not mistaken record wise yeah and that's not where they want to be and is that his fault probably some of it is but there's been a lot of injuries to the new guys that they've brought in uh you mentioned collins are probably going to end up trading collins because clint capella has been playing better mm-hmm. so it's just it's just a team that had thought they thought they stocked up on on assets and and players that were really going to give them that push to make in, into a playoff really almost almost with a Luka because there's always going to be that comparison between Trey Young and Luka you know make that playoff run and um they're obviously not doing that right now well and what's the overall synopsis now on Trey Young cuz obviously a guy who comes from Oklahoma fantastic shooter um, you know, as far as like the defensive side of the ball, people were a little leery on that, but he was always a great scorer. And I think he gets to the NBA, um, 
and for the most part doesn't seem to miss a beat. And it seemed like he was slowly rising as to being one of the brightest stars in the NBA. Now, I haven't really followed a lot of Atlanta Hawks this year, but has there been some regression from Trey Young, or is he still on the up and up in terms of stardom and in terms of um, productivity? So on a list of players in the NBA to have the most points this season, Okay. Steph Curry, obviously, is number one. He's always number one. Yeah. He's actually the only player in the NBA right now to have over 1,000 points this season. Um, is anybody talking about Steph Curry for MVP, by the way? Yes. Or not? Oh, yeah. Okay, but right done. now they're on a James Harden tear. I got you. I think he's playing really. But <laughs> Flavor of the week, yeah. In terms of that, uh, Trey Young is in the top 10. In scoring. In scoring. In total points. Total points. Um, his... his Effectiveness, he's at a 42%. His three-point percentage is only at 36, which is actually, now Bradley Beal is a little bit lower. Second lowest in the top 10 for, you know, this list of players. Okay. But, like, he's above players like Joel Embiid. Sure, like, Joel sure. Embiid is lower than him in terms of to- total points. Okay. Um, but, again. So still pretty, I mean, listen, if, if you're top 10 in total points in the NBA with all the talent that there is right now, that's pretty impressive he from Trey Young's standpoint. James Harden also only has one is the only player with more assists this season than Trey Young. So Trey Young has been playing. Like, I think because the team's not playing well, he won't get the credit for it. He's yeah. playing really well, and he's doing really well. Um, but, again, he's always going to be compared to Luka, yeah. who is always going to be in the top with him. I mean, Luka's fifth right here in, in assists and was two ahead of Trey in terms of points. So it's always going to be compared, and like it or not, it also will happen when you look at the record. Is is yeah. you know they're okay, so they're uh, the Hawks are fourteen and eighteen, not fourteen and twenty, but Luca is uh, sixteen and fifteen. So really, it's not much different, but a whole different vibe because of how much money was put into the Hawks this off season. That was like a crazy amount of money that they spent to get new guys in, new players in, kind of revamp the offense and defense a little bit. Well, and you said it about, you know, comparing Trey Young and Luka, and it might not be the fairest comparison, but, I mean, that's what, yeah, that's what, that's what we do well, in sports. They were they were traded for each other. Exactly, yeah. and that's what we do in sports. I mean, I'm reminded of when essentially the Milwaukee Bucks traded Dirk Nowitzki away for Tractor Trailer, you know, and, and it was just like we, we you, you compare it for a while and then you move on. But, like, I mean, I don't want to sound out of the realm of crazy here, but, like, it's not even close in terms of if you're going to start a team and you're going to pick a player between Luka and Trey Young, you're going Luka all day, right? Or is it actually yeah. closer than I than I imagine it would be? I think I think it's I think you could make an argument for Trey Young. Okay. I don't think many people will though. Yeah. Like like again, right now Trey's got more assists and he's essentially at the same point in terms of scoring. Uh, Luca's got a better field goal percentage than Trey Young, but Trey Young has a better three point percentage. Not much, but better than yeah. Luca. So it's like it, it's almost like you can make the stats work for you in this. True, and it's kind of biased as well because I've seen so many Luca highlights, right? I mean, I've seen the game winning three pointers. I remember him from the bubble last year. Like to me, Luca's almost a household name now. Where Trey Young playing at Atlanta, not having a lot of success, really isn't that guy. Even though, like you just said, I mean, he's he's still progressing. He's still becoming you know a top 10 uh you know point leader in the in the nba so it, it, yeah it deserves to be it, said it, there. it's for sure going to be luca uh, at one point i mean even going into the season they expected him to be the mvp this year yeah he he has he's the third on the list for the most triple doubles this season only behind nikola Jokic and russell uh, westbrook because westbrook always has triple doubles and, <laughs> that's what he does and he has the same amount of double doubles as as um as trey young so i would say definitely people would say luca but uh, there's going to be someone out there that's a Trey Young stan and, and yeah. wants to, to make his 
point, and they would have some stats to make that point. Fair enough. So, uh, you know, my co-host Brent Martin here is on vacation. Sent me sent us a really interesting article today, written by Mike Tonnebaum about um, what occurs at the NFL Combine and and why it happens the way it does. Now, let me preface this by saying Mike Tonnebaum's got you know some experience as a GM with the New York Jets. Um, I feel like him and Brent Martin are always in cahoots because. If I'm not mistaken, I think when Brent did the Golik and Wingo mock draft last year, I think Tannenbaum was the guy that praised Brent for taking Kinlaw, which, let's be honest, I also praise Brent uh, for taking Kinlaw as well. But with that being said, I always feel like, you know, like th- there's a reason why you're not a GM anymore. Right, because it, it, it didn't work out. Now, I, I get you that you have a job in ESPN. That's fantastic. But I was actually a really huge fan of the article that he put out because he answered some questions I had of why the heck do we do the combine like we do the combine and what does it all mean? And we're going to get to that in a second here. But first, we got a phone call. I think we got Steven on the line. I want to get to him real quick before I go into my spiel about the combine, the pros and cons of it, and why some things needed to change. But, Steven, thanks for calling on the show, dude. How are we doing this uh, Monday? Hope you had a great weekend. Uh, doing pretty good. My wife actually took me to Gatorland for my birthday. So that was fun. Where is Gatorland located? Uh, it's in Orlando. Okay. And then obviously uh, there is... Uh, Obviously, there's a there's a, a slew of gators there, correct? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, like, do you? Uh, what do you mean, like, define this? Are they in cages? Can you like pet them? What are we talking about here with Gatorland? Oh, I don't know, man. They're scattered all throughout the park. Uh, just big, any size gators. Uh, birthday, uh, you get to get your picture taken on one. You know, holding the jaws up like a gator wrangler. All right. Uh, you get to, you get to feed them chicken and things like that all day. See, I've seen way too much Jurassic Park, man. I don't trust it, but I'm glad you had fun. What was your question? What did you have for me today? Uh, mine was everybody's telling me uh, on um, about free agency that, you know, we need to go all out. We need to spend, like, we have all this money. We need to spend it all. And yeah. I'm trying to tell them, but we don't want to end up where we were, like, when Tom Coughlin first left and he killed us on draft money. Sure. I think we should probably do at least two big spendings. Yes, Leonard Williams, basically hand him a blank check and say, <laughs> hey, put put your number here and we'll pay it. And maybe one big signing on offense. And, I mean, pretty much you just get consistent players instead. I mean, if you want an example like at receiver, uh, since word is Robinson might get franchise tag, Godwin might get franchise sure. tag. Uh, maybe go for consistent receivers. Uh, an example, uh, Nelson Aguilar, he's a free agent uh, mm-hmm. with the Raiders. Uh, Richard Higgins from uh, the Browns, he did good, but they relied a lot on their running. True. Uh, but we also got to take an effect. We got to give DJ Chark uh, a new deal uh, during this year or after this year because he's playing on a contract here this year. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people know that James Robinson was only on a two-year undrafted rookie deal. He's got to get paid. Mind you, running back, that's chump change. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, no, but, like, go, go ahead. But, I mean, would that be something that seems more plausible instead of just spending all our money all at once? No, it's a, it's a great point, Stephen. Thank you for calling in. I mean, you, so, so here's – okay, so first of all, with uh, – with James Robinson here, so he's got 2021 and 2022 left on the deal. 
So it's actually the way I'm looking at it right now. It, it's a three year deal. He signed a three year, uh, two million two hundred ninety thousand uh, dollar contract. So he still has two years left. But but I get it. Eventually, I mean, if he has a great season this year, do you re up him right away? Time will tell. But to get back to Steven's question of do you risk it and do you spend all your money um, on all these big free agent signings? Because if, if you follow teams like the Colts, the Colts, it seems like forever that they've had the most money in terms of salary cap. They never really spend it. You know, they always save it. Um, and, uh, and as the great Zach Miller, former tight end of the Jacksonville Jaguars and Chicago Bears, once told me when I asked him about why do you have ostrich boots, he told me because you know why? Because you can't be buried with money. So you might as well spend it. Um, I always appreciated that line. I think it's from a rap song. But I think why people are wanting – listen, I have to careful how I approach this, this answer here. Because, Stephen, I see where you're coming from. But where I'm coming from is the fact that, okay, you have a lot of holes right now. Yes, Urban Meyer's here. Yes, you're about to get Trevor Lawrence. And everything's great. But you still have to win football games. And you win football games by putting the proper talent on the field and putting them in the position to win. And when I look at this team right now from top to bottom, there's a lot of holes that need to be filled, right? You're, you're essentially you're, you're on a boat that's sinking, and there's holes all over the place. How many can you clog? I think of the tight end position. Yes, Josh Oliver is coming back. Hopefully he remains healthy, and let's see what the guy's got. But you're absolutely out of your mind if you think you're just going to rely on Josh uh, Oliver. So, like, what's the tight end plan? Are you going to draft one? Well, we know how the draft works usually when the, at the tight end position. It's never a sure thing, especially in the first year. So do you look at maybe a guy like Hunter Henry if he gets released? Do you get a guy like Jonu Smith, who's probably going to be a little cheaper than Hunter Henry? Like, to me, that tight end position, it's a necessity. It's not a luxury. You need a tight end here in Jacksonville. You you need a guy that can take some pressure off of Trevor Lawrence. So you got to look tight end, in my opinion. You, Steven, you already mentioned it yourself. Le- Leonard Williams, blank check. You ever seen the movie Blank Check? Because you ever seen the movie Blank Check? I don't believe I have. You're, you're a little too young. This kid literally gets a blank check because the guy hits his bicycle. The guy writes a blank check. The kid fills it out for like a couple million dollars. Goes on a spending spree. There's a montage and everything. It's fantastic. He puts, puts a water park um, in his mansion. That has to be done with Leonard Williams, okay? It's going to be blank check, too, featuring Leonard Williams. And he's going to the candy store in a stretch limo. He's getting all the candies that he wants. Like, that's what the Jaguars need to do with Leonard Williams because, once again, that is a gaping hole right now in your boat that is sinking. You need to address it. You need to address the interior defensive line play, and Leonard Williams is that guy. The wide receiver position is a little more of a luxury to me. Now, we talk about it all the time, and it's the, it's the sexy talking point because, once again, it helps Trevor Lawrence. It gives Trevor Lawrence confidence. You want to get him as many weapons as possible. Trevor Lawrence is John Wick right now, and he's coming in the gun store. So let's go ahead and give him, you know, the M16 up there. All right, let's go ahead and give him the, 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 the PP7 over there. Let's go ahead and give him a couple grenades. You know what I'm saying? Like, give John Wick his weapons. Trevor Lawrence is John Wick. So, like, that's why we're all excited for maybe a wide receiver to come to Jacksonville and maybe a bona fide one wide receiver, if you will. So, at the end of the day, do you spend all of it? And I'm going to say absolutely not. Like, I don't think that's smart business. But I think you address the dying needs. And I think the dying needs right now, more than anything, it's the tight end position, 
interior defensive line, and depending what happens with Cam Robinson, Orlando Brown, Trent Williams, the left tackle position. To me, the wide receiver position, that's secondary. Right now, do I want to see him get Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, something like that? Yeah, because that's an exciting hire. And sometimes you need excitement. Sometimes you need that B12 shot. So I want to see him go in that direction either. But to answer your question, Stephen, they got to get a tight end. No ands, ifs, buts about it. They got to get an interior defensive line, and they got to address the left tackle position to protect the quarterback's blind spot. Everything else is gravy. But those three things must be addressed ASAP. So getting back to the, the this Combine article by Mike Tannenbaum, um, so Brent sent me this article, and it was fascinating because I talk about it all the time of what takes place at an NFL Combine. Now, mind you, this year it's going to be different. There is no Combine in Indianapolis. All there is is a pro day. Obviously, that, that hurts the small school guys a little bit. Obviously, I think that hurts evaluating town a little bit because now – not everybody's going to be underneath one roof, right? Yeah, you have to go to these pro days and stuff like that, so scheduling is going to be different. So it's going to be a different year this year in the evaluating process. But I read this article, and I found it fascinating because there's a lot of questions that I always thought about the combine, which I didn't have answers to. And thankfully, Mike here answered some of them. So one of the biggest things that he goes into, and this is basically a behind-the-scenes of why NFL teams do the things they do at the NFL combine. For instance, one of the very biggest things, and listen, it's a lot more than the underwear Olympics. It's a lot more than a 40-yard dash and a broad jump and a vertical jump. What people don't see at home is the behind the scenes in terms of meetings and going on five hours of sleep because you're meeting all night, right? And you barely have time for lunch. People don't see that type of stuff. All people see is the guys performing on the field in terms of their drills and agility and all that stuff. But what people don't realize is that those guys that are performing those drills are absolutely exhausted from the psychological evaluation that they've been through the past couple of days. So the very first thing that you learn when you go to the combine is you better know your stuff in terms of P's and Q's on the board. Because whether it's a scout, you meet with the head coach, a GM, they are going to make you get on the board. And what they're going to do is make you break down your film and your scheme from college. So if, you, if you're in a complicated scheme, you better get in that playbook one last time before you go to the combine, man, because they're going to put a lot at you. And I'll never forget this. My senior year, the Buffalo Bills came to visit me during practice during the season, um, my, my senior year of the, my college football season. And after the, the practice, I met with them. I went on the board, and they asked me about a certain play. And for lack of a better word, it's what we call the pirate stunt. Now, a pirate stunt basically says is that we go from a defensive end position, we go from the C gap, and we stunt to the B gap. Pretty simple. Um, a lot of defenses run it. Joe Cullen actually used to run it here in Jacksonville. I'm sure he'll probably run a, some kind of variance of that um, this year on their defense. But it's a pirate step, right? So when I get to the combine and I meet with the Buffalo Bills and I sit down with their uh, you know defensive coordinator – they have my film up, all right? So we're watching film, watching film. And the guy goes, what's this play right here? And I made the mistake and said that I jam. Now, it's a little complicated, but for lack of a better word, a pirate step happens when you're on the tight end, right? So you go from the heads up on the tight end, you go to the B gap. A jam step happens when you're lined up on the tackle, and then you go to the B gap. So essentially what it's saying is pirate step, tight end, jam step on the tackle. So the guy asks me, what is this play? 
And I go, well, right, right here, sir, I have a jam step. Well, turns out I was on the tight end, and, and I completely spaced the answer. And the guy sits and turns to me. He's like, really? A jam step? He's like, we have it on good authority. When we met back with you in your senior year, you called this a pirate step. And all of a sudden, they're bringing something back from a meeting that I had months prior, and they're bringing it back to light. I'm just like, what? How, how, how do you guys even remember that? And this is the point. And then this is the point of that Mike Tonnebaum's breaking down here in his first little you know, note of why teams are so, let's just say, aggressive when it comes to getting on the board and breaking your own film down. Teams want to know how you learn. And teams want to know how you can handle a scheme. Right? I came from Murray State, which was a 4-2-5 defense. Uh, it's kind of a little more rare in terms of collegiate defenses and even pro defenses. It's, it's just different. But the fact that I forgot to identify the pirate step compared to the jam step, like that, that cost me. That docked me out because coaches want to make sure that you have your own playbook dialed in 100%. Because if you don't have your own playbook dialed in 100%, how are you going to dial in the playbook, which is obviously bigger and broader when you get to the league? So that's what they look for when they send you to the board, when they make you watch film. It's how do you relate the information? How do you remember the information? Obviously, from that one, I failed a little bit. Another thing that that scouts and and teams will look for is the excuse factor. And thankfully, I didn't make this mistake at the time. And by the way, if you're an NFL player right now listening and and one day to go to the combine, this should be a prescription. You should be writing this stuff down right now because I'm telling you guys gold. I am telling you how to get drafted higher than you're slated right now with these little tips. Just a little footnote for everybody. But with that being said, another thing that teams will look for in the film session is if a player blames his teammates. Listen, this happens all the time, right, where you make a good play or you try to make a good play, and unfortunately the guy next to you goes in the wrong gap, he falls, he trips, whatever the case may be, but it's his fault that the play broke for a touchdown if you're on defense, right? What coaches and and, and scouts will look for is how do you handle those situations? When they put up film of you and your team gets scored on, or if you're on, obviously, if you're on offense and all of a sudden your team gets sacked or you, there's a turnover, they look for you to see if you point a finger or you just blow by it. Because usually, I mean, listen, you have to defend yourself. Like, hey, this wasn't my fault. I did. No. Coaches look for that because they don't want to see you sell your teammates underneath the bus. So that that's another point of the whole film watching session is, Will you sell your teammates underneath the bus? And spoiler alert, you better not because that that will be counted against you. Another thing that I thought I found really interesting in this article, something that Bill Belichick was quoted saying one time. And he said that if a player is a big jerk in college, imagine what happens when we give him money and start pointing out some errors. Imagine how he's going to act then. And I always thought that was an interesting point because he's absolutely right. Right, like th- th- that's what these interviews are designed to do. They want to see you break. They want to see what happens when you go on six or seven hours of sleep. They they they've heard stories about you in college. They've done your due diligence. How are you gonna handle it when you're sitting in that room? Will you take responsibility or do you blame somebody else? So very interesting from that standpoint. Some other things that I thought were quite fascinating in terms of of this article are the crazy questions. Right. And, and and I've said to myself, do you find your mother attractive? If you could kill somebody with a knife or gun, what would you do? 
These are just some of the questions that I was asked at the combine. Now, granted, that was back in 2010. And thankfully, I think the questions have been a little uh, more lightened, to say the least, a little more football-specific, if you will. But Mike Tomlin goes into great details about what these questions mean and what the goals are. So some of these questions are meant to throw the guy off, obviously, and see how he handles the pressure. Because it's not like a casual meeting. It's not like you're at Starbucks, and it's like, oh, hey, if you could kill somebody, what would you do? Ha, 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 no. Like, it's a very serious environment, and it's like if you even rebel against the question, if you even, you know, kind of raise your, you know, your eyebrow and like, what does this have to do with football? They get back at you. They go, what? You can't handle the coaching, right? So it's a very stressful environment. But what, what they want to see is how you handle the pressure. So the way it was set up for me, and it was interesting, I didn't realize this until I read the article. So they'll ask you a football question, another football question, another football question, and then all of a sudden it's the question from left field. For instance, and I saw this from the article. Kuz, I'm going to ask you this question. I want to see your response to it. All right, you ready for this? This is a combine question that was in this article. Okay. You're in a bus going down a mountain in Alaska going 100 miles per hour. Okay. Am where, I driving? Where are you in the bus? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, you already failed because you're you're just, you're disrupting me. Here, but yeah, sorry. You, you're, you know, it's fine. Where are you in the bus? Uh, and, I am, and by the way, time is of the essence. Yeah, okay. So I am next to the driver trying to figure out why the heck we're going 100 miles per hour down the Okay. And, and listen, I think any right-minded individual would... Sp- Say something like that. Yeah. Right? Like, you're wondering, why am I on this bus? Like, you question it, right? You actually had the right answer before I finished. You're driving the bus because you want to be in control. You feel uh, the best when you're in control. But once again, like, that question threw you off, right? Like, you had no idea yeah. where I was going. I mentioned Alaska. You're going 100 miles per hour on a mountain. There's a lot of variables there that don't make any sense. Right. So that's the point, though. So let's say I asked you three football questions, and then I ask you that question and then we go back to talking football. Yeah, now I'm thrown off. And this is where it all comes into play. Coos, I can ask you, you know, for instance, let's keep playing this drill here. Coos, do you, let's say you're a, you're, an, you're a college athlete trying to go to the pros, answer these questions. Do you like football? Yes, I like football. What do you like most about it? Uh, I like the competition. Okay. What is your biggest asset as a football player? Just, just give me one. Uh, leadership. Great. If you could kill somebody with a knife or a gun, what are you going to go with? Um, I guess a gun. Okay, there you go. See, now this okay. is this is where psychology comes into play. Yeah. Because I just asked you three football questions. And from those answers, I can gauge, all right, this guy loves football. I can get that. But when I threw you that oddball question, now you're like kind of thrown off a little yeah. bit. And now I'm going to ask you, I don't know if I could actually do this to you, but then I would ask you more football questions. Mm-hmm. And then I'll get more honest answers. Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing, Coos. Anybody can plan for these questions, right? Like, what's your great, greatest attribute? Anybody can prep for this. Anybody right, can go right. online and say, all right, interview questions, how to answer them, how to nail them. That's fine. But when teams throw the curveball, it's hard to come back from that curveball and answer truthfully. And that's where the crazy questions come into play. I thought it, I found it very interesting. Last little tidbit quick, and then we'll go to break here. So uh, Mike Tannenbaum goes into Rex Ryan, the most awkward interview ever. 
Apparently, Rex Ryan, and this is the entire New York Jets organization, is meeting with this candidate. The, you know, this this first-round draft pick, supposedly. And Rex Ryan is going to town on some chicken wings. Well, the chicken wings, the crumbs, they get all over the floor. And unfortunately, there was an ant problem in the room. So there's like mountains of ants forming around these chicken wings and the, the, the chicken ring re- residue, let's just call it, that was on the floor. And apparently, like, what was supposed to be like a very obviously important and formal interview turned into an absolute you know what show because there's ants everywhere and they had to leave the room early. Just some of the craziness at the combine. One last thing, and I'll never forget this. I've showed this story before real quick. Don't ever do what I did, everybody. And if you're listening to me right now, recruits, check this out. When they ask you, do you smoke weed, and you actually don't because I didn't in college, say no. But then don't say, but I smoke black and milds, even though I didn't. I don't know why I said it. I was nervous, but they asked me, and this is the this is Miami Dolphins, by the way. They asked me, so you smoke weed? I go, no, sir. Smoke black and milds, though. And the guy goes, why would you say that? And I'm just like, I have no idea. But you know what? I'm over break right now. Let's go to break real quick. We'll come back. We got some more coming stuff coming up for you guys here on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. Uh, then I said, still looking for his fourth career sack. Austin Lake. I'm spending pretty much every single day with somebody for pretty much two years now that you know somebody. And they surprise you. <laughs> I sit here before you right now, and I am surprised. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. What exactly is the effect that J.J. is going to have on this football team? I think his impact is going to come as far as the professionalism that he probably is going to demand of everyone else around him. And by that, I mean this. On defense, what really haunted the Cardinals in 2020? It really it was about situational football. It's about two-minute football. It's about too many penalties. Right. Not getting off the field on third down because of penalties. Those kinds of things. You, A guy like him... You can help really reemphasize those kind of things to guys as far as their professionalism is concerned. I'm going to get this one wrong. It wasn't Sal. He was talked about as a candidate before Urban was hired. Uh, really? There was rumors about it, I'm pretty sure. I think he actually interviewed. For head coach or GM position? I think it was head coach. Okay. Well, I don't know, because you got me. Lewis Riddick. See, no. I was going to say Lewis Riddick, but here's the problem. Okay. You said coach. Was it GM? GM. Oh, so, was so, you know what? Give me a, a minus half a point. Okay. Because okay. we kind of got there together. I was going to say Lewis Riddick, too. Dang it, Coos. <laughs> I got me second guessing myself. But yeah, the, the breaking news of the day, the big news of the day, J.J. Watt going to the Cardinals. I can't stress it enough. I wonder what Cardinals fans felt up when they woke up this morning. Ah, we, we won the J.J. Watt sweepstakes. Didn't even apply to it, but hey, we'll take it. Uh, he's were going you, to Arizona. Were you into the, the – uh, I saw on, tic, oh, on TikTok, on uh, Twitter, that there was a hashtag going around to trade Murray for Watson. Ooh. Yeah, I saw N- N- uh, Nikki Football that uh, has yeah. a show after us. Yeah. Did you have the show after us? Live local and loud. Right, good yep. guy. I don't want to. It'll happen today. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. want to announce that all of a sudden they're not there anymore. No, right, no, good, no, good. 7 yeah. o'clock. Yeah, I saw Nikki Football actually tweet this out. So are you asking me what I'd do it if, if I was who? I guess either. Yeah. Like who would be the winner in that if they uh, didn't? See, I don't think it's a bad trade for either team. 
Because obviously, right now, where they're at in their careers, Deshaun Watson is a better quarterback than Kyler Murray. Now, how comparable is it? Well, we'll see how Kyler Murray does this year. He shows a lot of promise. But if you're in win-now mode in the Arizona Cardinals, Deshaun Watson gives you that. But I think the price to get Deshaun Watson there, you're talking about trading Kyler Murray away and then maybe two to three first-round picks? There's no way. Like, Like, to me... I would call Kyler Murray right now where he stands a top 12, maybe top 10 NFL quarterback. Deshaun Watson's top five. We'll see after this season. Do I give up three first-round picks to go from top 10 to top five? No, especially when there's so much uncertainty still with Kyler Murray. I mean, Kyler Murray could be a top five quarterback this year. Who knows? So I see where the trade's coming from. I think it could help both sides. But from the Arizona Cardinals' perspective, I think it's way too much juice to give up to get Deshaun Watson when you have a guy in Kyler Murray who could be kind of like Deshaun Watson. Austin Lane, Action Sports, Jackson, ESPN 690. Co-host Brent Martin on vacation until tomorrow. Then he'll be back. Then we'll go back and forth with some good old-fashioned banter. But speaking of banter, Kuzan, I kind of started the show off with this. I want to get into this a little more before we go to break here. Buddy Heald. A guy who just set the NBA record, and I'm going to make sure I'm reading this right now. He, he became the fastest player in NBA history to hit 1,000 threes in 350 games. So if you do the math, that's like three point something. <laughs> and we'll call it at that, uh, threes per game. Are you surprised that he set the record, first of all, Kuz? Are you surprised that we're not talking about him number two? And I guess number three, to kind of bring it full circle here with the coaches getting fired, Luke Walton right now, the coach of Sacramento Kings, I think was kind of a highly coveted coach from Golden State. You heard how much the players enjoyed him. Luke Walton goes to to Sacktown. Is Luke Walton on the hot seat? So three questions for you, if you remember. I probably won't. Um, (laughs) It's all good. I think, yes, there's a hot seat with him, in my opinion, but I also think there's a lot of people that don't like some of the stories that are around Luke Walton in general so there might be feelings from that angle as well Um, yeah I'm surprised we're not talking about Buddy Heald as much Um, he's not like the flashy player that Steph Curry was he passed Steph Curry to to set this record so like when Steph did it it was like oh you know but of course it makes sense yeah so I think that's maybe why it's kind of the way the NBA is going, the way the NBA game is being played more and more is three has become more and more like Buddy Hill's taking 10 threes a game sure. this year. Sure. So what, do you know what is his uh, three point percentages uh, off the top? I don't. I know he was making like three or four a game or something like that. So okay. you think about it. I mean, that's so, so he's shooting 36.1 from about average. From, from the land of good and plenty. Yeah. I like to say, but if you're taking 10 a game, yeah. you know what I mean? So, I think that's a big part of it um, where it's just obviously an exciting feat, but I'd be willing to bet, you know, two or three more years down the line, we'll have another person that did it even quicker because everyone's the freedom to shoot. Yeah. Oh, okay. I got you. So this is more, and don't take anything away from Buddy Heald. I mean, of still a great not. honor, but like not. you think these numbers are a little fluctuated, obviously, just in terms of he's got the freedom to shoot 10 threes a game. And it's kind of like, but of course he's going to break the record eventually. I think in general the NBA, yeah, three point shooting is up. It's it's three points or layups. Like, why would you take a two point? You know, sure. why would you take a, a mid range shot now? 
how much of it has to do with the fact that he's playing in Sacramento? Like, let's yeah. just say for the theory of argument, let's put Steph Curry on the Kings. And let's say Steph Curry's putting up the numbers that he's putting up, but it's with the Kings, right? And let's say right now Steph Curry's 13 and 21. Do you think the talent and the shooting of Steph Curry, like, does it have the power to even last in Sacramento, or does he get lost in the sauce? Because let's go ahead and compare it to yeah. football coups. You know, like, to me, it doesn't matter what team you play for in the NFL. If you're talented, you're you're going to get known, right? Like, if, if, you're, if you're Darren Waller and you're at the tight end position, like, yeah, you play on the Raiders, they're an okay team, but people know who Darren Waller is because, right. you know why, the guy puts up touchdowns and yards, and it's, it's more of a fantasy football well, and, and, argument. And, but, and NBA fans know who Buddy Heald is. Like, he's, true, he's true. A, he's a big name in that but sense. But I would say the casual fan doesn't know. Right, and I guess that's my question. Would a casual NFL fan know Waller? I think maybe so, just in fantasy football. Fantasy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe if you're a casual NBA fan playing fantasy football or fantasy basketball, you would sure. know him. I think it's just there is a there is a West Coast bias here where you just don't hear about it as much because it's just a you know he's yeah. he's further away essentially. See, uh, I don't know. I mean, I get what you're saying. It's an interesting conversation, right? Because I, I can sit here and say, well, John Morant went to Memphis. Right now, Memphis. I mean. As, as far as markets go, they're a bit of a smaller market. Now, I think John Morant's a star, but I'm also biased. But, like, you got to think if Memphis doesn't win in the next couple of years, like, will John Morant get lost in the sauce? Not because he's not a great player, just because, like, the team doesn't win that much. Like, I, I feel like I feel like regardless of how much of a player you are, like, uh, how talented you are, if you're not going to the playoffs, playing in the bubble, putting your name, you know, the team on the back, people don't talk about you. I, I feel like it's kind of like the Devin... Booker effect a little bit, Coos, where Devin Booker is a hell of a player. Um, night in and night out, he, he's putting up numbers. But it's like, well, he's played on the Suns. In the past couple years, they've had a lot of success. So once again, he gets lost in the sauce. Just a very interesting conversation from the fact that NBA, you get probably the most stars. You, you have the most FaceTime, the most household names. But still, even if you are a household name or if you're a popular guy, if you're not winning games or you're playing in a small market like Sacramento – you get lost in the sauce. One more break to go here on ESPN 690. We'll put a bow on the show coming up next year. If you have Russell Wilson, he's obviously a great quarterback, and you know you're going to get a professional effort from him. Is that really good enough if your goal is to win a Super Bowl? You want your quarterback to be invested to bleed whatever the colors of the team is. And when that guy is not doing that, then he's not the guy anymore. Um, so for that reason, I say Russell be somewhere else because if I'm Seattle, I say, you know what? The ship has sailed. He's already, he has wandering eyes. He has a list. He has a list. So you know um, he is thinking about leaving Seattle. Oof. I don't even know. I may have given that one away. Oh, did you really? Because I didn't even... I said I said the name before we came in. When we oh, were... I don't remember. Yeah, see, I'm reading the comments section. Oh, okay, okay. I was, I was reading the, the chat. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. The chat. No, who was that, Coos? Emmett Golden. Emmett Golden. Yeah, I definitely would have got that one, even if you helped me out or not. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I don't see Russell Wilson being there for an extended period of time. I think he's going to be there this year. Like I always say, well, there's smoke, there's fire. But at the same time, what are we talking about here? Yeah. We're talking about the Seattle Seahawks who are constantly in the running to make a playoff run, who have a top five quarterback right now in this league, who is an MVP favorite up until like week 10, week 11.
and now you're getting rid of him? I I don't know. I I just to me that would be even more crazy than Deshaun Watson leaving Houston. And believe me, that's crazy. Like that's that's wild. That's weird, wild stuff. Everybody, a la Johnny Carson, and we'll see. But I just have a hard time fathoming Russell Wilson playing on a different team that's not the Seattle Seahawks. Like, I never thought I'd see the day, mm-hmm. but time will tell. But, Kuz, I think you got some, you know, we have a little segment to kind of end the show every once in a while where you just play some random audio clips, uh, regardless of the genre. It might be football, it might be soccer. Who knows where we're going? It's a deep rabbit hole. Yep. But hit, hit me with some of these random clips, and let's see what we got today I can comment on real quick before we uh, head out here. Yeah, we a lot of football on this one. Uh, this okay. one's from Matt Jones talking about Brady. Okay. I sort of think Tom Brady has made it to where – all of these guys, at least for the next few years, are going to be a little delusional. And what I mean by that is, I think in years past, when you had a franchise quarterback that was great, they stayed with the same team their entire career until it was obvious that they had lost their skill, and then that team gives them up, and they might go somewhere else, but everybody understood why that happened. We understood why Joe Montana ended up with the Chiefs. We understood why Peyton Manning ended up with the Broncos. And then here comes Tom Brady, a quarterback who could still play, and then just ended up in Tampa Bay. And I think it's made a lot of these quarterbacks who have been sort of wedded to a franchise to say, well, if Tom Brady's the best to ever do it, if he's still loved in New England, and he could go do that, and they kind of all have moved on, then I could do it too. Interesting. Is that Matt Jones like the former Jacksonville Jaguar Matt Jones? Uh, I mean, I, I'm sure there's I, a lot of Matt Jones out there. I'm not sure. It, it says be. just ESPN analysts. On okay, here. interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, he he makes up some some valid points, but let's be honest though. There's only one Tom Brady. There's there's, there's only one goat, and I'm not taking anything away from Tom Brady and what he accomplished in Tampa Bay. Right. I did not have him going to the Super Bowl. I had the Saints winning the division, and I had the Saints going to the Super Bowl. So props to Tom Brady. If the shoe fits, if the situation makes sense, then sure. But, like, how many quarterbacks out there set aside from Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, and go say, all right, I want to go play for a Super Bowl, um, and they're, you know that team's a quarterback away from doing that? There's not a lot of teams out there I feel like that can say that right now. Like for instance, if Aaron Rodgers goes to the Bears or something like that, I'm not saying he's going. I'm just saying a random team, the Bears, uh, the Vikings. I mean, do they go to the Super Bowl? I'm not sure. Like, Tampa Bay was the perfect fit because they had the defense. They had the wide receivers. They had the weapons. They had Gronk. They had the, the offensive philosophy. It was a match made in heaven for Tom Brady and Tampa Bay. I'm just saying... Not all those matches end up like they did in Tampa Bay. We have one more clip before we go to, or are we? Uh, I can play you a quick one, yeah. Let's get a quick one in. This is uh, Peter Burns. So it almost puts Drew Brees in a tough situation because let's say that Drew Brees does want to come back. What if he says, you know what, I thought I was ready to walk away, but I'm not. And then now, all of a sudden, you've got the mayor in on it. You've got us talking about it. Everyone's talking about it. If you don't extinguish this pretty quick and it doesn't happen, Russell goes somewhere else or stays with Seahawks and Drew decides to come back, people are going to look at this and go, oh, man, we could have had Russell Wilson. That's all I need. I talked about it before. Yeah. The Saints are in an awkward situation right now because Drew Brees has done so much for that organization. He's a legend. But at the same time, how much does he have left in the tank when you got a bright-eyed and bushy-tailed Russell Wilson staring you down in his sights? 
it's an awkward situation with the Saints. A non-awkward situation taking place tomorrow. We got Brent Martineau coming off vacation, well-rested and reassured. I assume he better bring his A game, man. We got stuff to talk about. For Austin Lane, for Justin Coos, appreciate you guys turning in. We have the full squad back tomorrow. Tune in, check us out. Y'all have a great night. Stay casual. Be safe. We're out. Peace. If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com.